We are recording this podcast on the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We wish to pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and extend our respects to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people who may be listening. Hi everybody, I'm Priscilla. And I'm Elise. Welcome to Novel Feelings, where we discuss representations of mental health issues in fiction novels. And welcome to Novel Tropes, episode three. So in case you missed our last two episodes, we are doing some bonus episodes that are all about tropes that appear in fiction. So not just about fiction novels, they can be present in TV, film and news media as well. So uh, in our previous two episodes, we covered commitment issues in episode one Mm -hmm. and the link between violence and mental health issues in episode two. Yeah. And in case you don't know what a trope is, um, you'd think that we would have just written a definition by now so that we could, <laughs> we could just read that out. But a trope is basically a recurring idea, theme, motif, uh, stereotype that mm-hmm. tends to occur in media. Yeah. Well, today is a trope that is close to our hearts in a bad way, I guess. <laughs> so close to our hearts. I know. Um, it is bad therapy (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of bad therapy out there but people don't know why it's bad so that's why we need to talk about it exactly so we want to talk about what fiction stories get wrong about therapy from the comical and hilarious to the absolutely damaging anyway uh why we care about this topic so Uh, look um Mm -hmm. you know obviously like we're psychologists we've talked about that before so we do you know it's it can be a bit of a pet peeve for us but Mm -hmm. also we really want people to access support when they need it and for therapy to be accessible and destigmatized for people who need it so it really doesn't help when media portrays all these stereotypes yeah and we'd really love to see therapy normalised and represented in books, TV and film. Mm. And look, in a lot of stories, there are not many systems in place to actually help people with their mental health or the ideas just never actually brought up in the first place. Yeah. So the whole trope about this that I found on our favourite website, tvtropes.com, mm-hmm. is actually called No Systems in Place, which is basically how about how there's no um, systems or support that are available in a lot of different fictional worlds to help people who've been through um, really difficult circumstances and traumatic events mm-hmm. and or might be experiencing difficulties for whatever reason yeah. to the point where there's a whole trope about how there's a lack of representation. So. <laughs> there are no therapists in TV. or if they are they are often resorting to the tropes that we're going to be discussing today yeah and look it kind of makes sense in some worlds like if you're set in sort of um older historical periods or fantasy settings where the social structures are different to today but i feel like in a way there's not much of an excuse in some contemporary settings to no one to even say have you considered talking to a professional about it or yeah i found this helpful fact sheet online do you want to maybe talk about this um yeah people just don't even mention the idea of getting professional help a lot of the time yeah well I would argue that even in fantasy there should be some sort of psychologist you might call it something else but it's a whole new world like why why not put mental health support system in place exactly anyway before we get started on our vent (laughs) uh, (laughs) we are trained psychologists 
And most of this discussion is related to our own training and understanding of best practice. What is normal for us might not be normal in other countries or for people who studied in different areas. Mm-hmm. As per usual, this podcast should not be taken as direct therapeutic advice. Please contact a professional for more specific and tailored advice. We are also talking as mental health professionals rather than from lived experience. Delivering therapy is very different from being a client. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And like I have seen a psychologist myself before, so I can talk about that perspective too. But again, like I, I won't pretend that I've been to every therapist or been through every type of therapy either. So Yeah, same. <laughs> like I have had therapy for myself as well, but again, you know, have not had an extensive experience as a client, I suppose. I've definitely delivered more hours sitting in the therapist chair than the client's chair. Uh, so. Doesn't even compare. By the <laughs> uh, anyway, um, a couple of content notes about today. So we will be talking about topics such as specific therapy types and techniques, unethical therapists, mm-hmm. damaging relationships, and unequal power dynamics in relationships between therapists and clients. Yeah. All right. Let's get started with our discussion. Slash vent. Yeah. <laughs> Today we are breaking the discussion into three different bad therapy tropes. Um, we really might cover more in future episodes. There's no shortage <laughs> of bad therapy tropes. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah, so we picked our top three to cover today, but, you know, watch this space if you yeah. do want to learn more about bad therapy tropes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Our first one is the mind-reading therapist. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> all right. So this trope relates to the idea that therapists can somehow read minds and we can read people instantly and we know everything about you and your childhood and your hopes and fears in like five minutes of conversation. <laughs> and importantly, that we want to be doing this all the time. <laughs> This is our default mode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this trope is often seen in comedy, but definitely not limited to this genre. Mm. So a couple of examples of this trope. So um, one that comes to mind is in Friends. So in season one, episode 13, uh, there's an, the episode where Phoebe dates a psychiatrist mm-hmm. who goes on to psychoanalyze the entire gang and drop a lot of truth bombs, <laughs> for example, telling Chandler that he uses humor as a coping mechanism and so on. <laughs> and by the end of the episode, uh, Phoebe and the psychiatrist have broken up and everyone concludes, I hate that guy. <laughs> It also happens in How I Met Your Mother. So when Robin dates her counsellor, an issue we will be talking about down the track. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, the counsellor analyses the gang's unhealthy dynamics. Yeah. Though from memory, he kind of was sort of sitting there in increasing horror at what he was witnessing before he couldn't take it anymore and then started, like, telling everybody what they were doing wrong. (laughs) <laughs> so at least he's kind of resisted until the very end of the episode from memory but yeah so the implication is still that he's in therapist mode pretty much the entire time if he's analyzing yeah. his people <laughs> that's right so there's one example where this where i've seen this in a book and i have to be upfront that i haven't read it and probably will not mm. but this book is called love hacked by penny reed it's a romance novel and the summary includes these lines 
Sandra has difficulty removing her psychotherapist hat. Of her last 30 dates, 29 have ended the same way. The man sobbing uncontrollably. What? <laughs> Who does that? Okay. So ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, as I said, I have not read this book, but Sandra appears in an earlier book in the series called Friends Without Benefits, which I started. Um, and from what I can remember, Sandra was very quick to find the emotional centers of all these men that she's just met in this book. And from memory, she also sort of immediately figured out that a man is in love with her friend from a very brief interaction or even observation. Mm, sounds fake, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if we could do that, it would save us all a lot of heartache. <laughs> oh, oh my goodness. Okay. So why is this a problem? Um, look, mm-hmm. maybe we do this occasionally to a small mm-hmm. degree. Mm-hmm. Maybe we pick up on things unsaid put things together that maybe someone isn't you know hasn't explicitly stated yeah but we can't read someone's character in five minutes and even if we could we don't necessarily want to no and look to be honest it isn't very appropriate of us to be making comments about strangers based on first impressions anyway yeah and like way to scare off people from being our friends and talking to us <laughs> exactly and you know we need friends too and people <laughs> yeah and look uh, we need to switch off mm. sometimes um you know we're people we're not just robotic mind readers yeah i don't have an interest in psychoanalyzing all the people i've met and look here's an interaction i've actually had multiple times <laughs> so new person new acquaintance says oh so what do you do for work me Oh, I'm a psychologist. New person. Oh, can you read my mind? Me? Not unless you're paying me. (laughs) Sounds familiar. (laughs) Yeah. I think that really sums it up. Um, Being a therapist and being in that mindset is like a role that, Mm. in my opinion, you kind of need to step into in specific settings. You don't want to be on all the time. It can cause a lot of problems and be pretty exhausting as well yeah i mean you don't ask a doctor to diagnose you at a party that's weird i'm sure some people do but you probably shouldn't (laughs) this trope is also a problem because if people assume we are reading their minds they might not be very forthcoming with what they're thinking Mm -hmm. because they assume that Mm -hmm. we know but or that we should know yeah like we're we're being um you know a bad therapist if we we can't tell what they're thinking yeah and it's like we're not lie detectors (laughs) we often can't tell if our clients are lying or omitting details if people assume that we can and should be able to read their minds but we can't then we can't help people yeah, it's just like a roadblock to actually yeah. getting things done. Mm-hmm. It's really important um, when you are in a session with a therapist to be as honest as you can be. Mm. And that doesn't mean you have to like know all the answers or have all the insights about yourself. And that doesn't mean that you do have to tell a therapist everything, but mm. you really just can't assume that the therapist knows what's going on in your head. Mm-hmm. They might be able to make an educated guess, but they might be wrong as well. Or they might be taking things at face value, especially if they don't know you very well just yet. Yeah, exactly. And it's important for you to tell the the therapist when they're wrong as well. Yes, Mm. definitely. Yeah, All of this stuff, this like honest communication really helps with 
what we call the therapeutic alliance. And that's just a jargon way of saying the relationship that you have Mm. with your therapist. (laughs) So being honest and truthful and, you know, again, like you don't have to tell them absolutely everything. Mm. You tell them what you feel comfortable, but just don't assume that they're going to be able to fill in the gaps. Um, Honesty really helps get stuff done. Yeah, absolutely. And it's our job to be non-judgmental as well. Absolutely. And if you are being judged by a therapist, maybe you should change therapists. Definitely. (laughs) So what would we like to see differently from this trope? Hmm. Well, therapists being portrayed as real people to start with, with realistic and varied flaws and not being therapists all the time. Hmm. You know, we have downtime and hobbies you know we're hosting a podcast (laughs) (laughs) our hobby might also be related to mental health you know in case you haven't picked up we really like books so that's a hobby that we have (laughs) yeah and believe it or not we have social lives and we have time to be normal people and have normal social interactions just treating us as people really Mm -hmm. and like yeah and, and that's when you have a therapist character that you don't just see in this session. So if your main character mm. is seeing a therapist, then they wouldn't be necessarily interacting with them outside of sessions. But in those sessions, you know, things like making mistakes, like it's okay to include a therapist who does make occasional mistakes, like maybe mm. misinterpreting something that a main character or point of view character has said, forgetting things. Um, but, you know, ideally being insightful but not mind readers yeah so yeah just having that kind of realistic interaction I think is really important absolutely there are a few good examples of imperfect therapists or just therapists taking time off being a therapist (laughs) therapists being people (laughs) yes exactly the character Mo from the flat chair by Beth O'Leary is seen well, mainly outside of his sessions because he acts in the best friend role in that story. And we see him being quite insightful and able to put together things that are being unsaid or unhealthy patterns, but he doesn't psychoanalyze anyone. He's being a good friend. Yeah, and doesn't he also set a boundary at some point with the main character about like, you know, I can help you as a friend, but I can't help you as a therapist. Yeah, I think so. I remember liking him a lot, basically, as an example of a fictional therapist. Definitely. Mm. And then we have various therapists that we might only see in therapy sessions. Yeah. I found a few examples that came to mind, such as the therapist in Turtles All the Way Down, Mm. How It Feels to Float, and The Morbids. Mm -hmm. And these characters struck me as being um, professional without being perfect and definitely not being mind readers. So we saw the client's perspective in all of these. So the point of view character was accessing therapy. And we got to see from their perspective when therapists maybe got things a little bit wrong or said something that wasn't very helpful, but still, you know, had various insights at times and were, um, you know, had a good relationship with the clients, even if they might not have hit the nail on the head every single time, which I really liked. Yeah, absolutely. In a similar vein, if you've seen Fleabag, which is a great TV show, so a scene that's coming to mind where the main character goes to see a therapist because she essentially has a voucher from her father (laughs) to come and see this therapist. And she kind of treats the whole thing as a joke. And the Mm. therapist is 
quite serious um, <laughs> while being a bit tongue-in-cheek. And mm-hmm. she's played by uh, Fiona Shaw, who's just an incredible actress. Mm-hmm. And this therapist is very, um, even though they only have a five-minute interaction, is actually really insightful and probably a bit brash, to be honest, <laughs> but really good at piecing things together quickly without explicitly reading the main character's mind. Yeah. So you can see her sort of putting together bits and pieces and using the main character's um sort of words and phrasing when she's summarizing things but not to the point where she's made a bunch of assumptions that oh my gosh happened to be true yeah. um yeah so I just I really liked that because I'm like oh I don't think I would want to approach a client in the exact same way mm. but I did appreciate that therapist seemingly being quite talented at reading people without literally reading people yeah absolutely uh another good example of Therapist being human is Dr. Akopian from Crazy mm. Ex-Girlfriend. In fact, she gets a whole song about how frustrated she gets with her client, which in this case is Rebecca, main character of the show. I love that song. <laughs> oh, this, this session is going to be different. It's cool. <laughs> Incredible performer as well, like the rest of the, the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend cast. Yeah. Um, go watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend if you haven't. Fantastic show too Absolutely. and a lot of great mental health representation in that show but yeah I love that song as a therapist because I'm like oh yes I I will admit that we do get frustrated with our clients sometimes um we might not show it at least try not our best to show it but again we're only human and we have these thoughts that run across our minds sometimes yeah absolutely all right the second trope that we wanted to discuss today is all therapy is Freudian Mm. So what is Freudian slash psychodynamic therapy? Okay, go ahead, Elise. (laughs) (laughs) See, I feel like a bit of an imposter explaining this because this is just not my area of expertise at all, but I'll I'll do my best to sort of summarize what I understand. So Mm. Sigmund Freud, very famous, Mm. um, an Austrian neurologist who founded psychoanalysis in the late 19th century And psychoanalysis is a set of therapeutic techniques that sort of aim to get at what we call the unconscious mind Mm. um, and, you know, in process treating mental health issues. And it's really based in like childhood experiences and unconscious wishes, so like our desires that aren't at the forefront of our minds. Mm. goes a lot into things like defence mechanisms Mm. and it uses uh, a lot of techniques like uh, free association. And dream interpretation? Dream interpretation. Um, a lot of stuff where like it's really just sort of trying to get at like what's behind what's happening um, and so on and look uh, Freud (laughs) Freud has been pretty criticized over the years Mm. and this approach to therapy isn't really the norm today Um, some elements of it are pretty outdated to be honest even though a lot of elements are still very relevant like how our childhood can affect us in the long term. Like that's yeah. a sort of a key idea that's relevant across a lot yeah. of different therapies. Yeah. There are some main ideas of Freud that's, that are really important and still really relevant today, but the specific techniques are not quite in practice anymore. Yeah. And a lot of the sort of assumptions and the key ideas just aren't really used either. Mm. Now, Look, psychodynamic therapy is still practiced today, but it's definitely evolved over the years. So the types of therapy that Freud would have been using yeah. and um, that those what we call first wave therapies, so those yeah. earlier types of therapies, mm. have really, yeah, really evolved. 
psychodynamic therapy is a newer therapy. It's based in psychoanalysis, but has been adapted. So mm. for example, it's not expected that clients attend sessions four to five oh times. My God. <laughs> Which was sort of the original um, expectation back in yeah. the day. And, you know, it is evidence-based. So it's been, it's been studied, it's been documented and found to be effective at treating a range of mental health issues. Yeah. But it's not the only therapy. No. <laughs> so I just wanted to talk about this, this trope, um, how it actually looks. Yeah. So, uh, look, writers make a lot of assumptions about what therapy actually involve and mm. some might be present in psychodynamic therapy, but not necessarily. But think about these sort of things that you might see that are part of this trope. For example, mm. the therapist who says nothing and just lets the client talk for an hour in free association, the therapist who endlessly explores things without actually sort of guiding the discussion mm. Um, mm. or getting to getting to a point, yeah. the classic image of a person just lying on the couch with a therapist in the background with a notepad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or really just a lack of sort of goals or structure um, mm-hmm. and this is how writers at least seem to be portraying a lot of therapy and uh, TV Tropes actually has a dedicated page to this called All Therapy is Freudian so we'll yeah. link to that down the track. Oh okay so there are quite a few examples of this trope in TV there are quite a few. Uh, Fraser from the TV show Fraser is a Freudian psychiatrist. Marge sees a therapist in the Fear of Flying episode in The Simpsons great episode by the way <laughs> using uh freudian therapy to treat phobia of flying and there's a whole show called in treatment there's no specific lying on a couch situation there but the the therapist approach is quite psychodynamic yeah it is anyway uh why is this a problem <laughs> okay well So obviously talking about your childhood and your thoughts and your feelings and having the safe space to explore all these things, absolutely important. And psychodynamic theory is absolutely a valid approach. But a lot of therapy these days doesn't look like this. Mm. So we have second and third wave therapies, which are common these days. I don't have the stats either, but Mm. I would assume that most therapists practice approaches such as cognitive behavioral therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, schema therapy, dialectical behavior therapy, um, EMDR, interpersonal therapy. Most psychologists that we know, well, and even we were trained in CBT, aka cognitive behavioral therapy first. Yeah. Because it is the gold standard therapy because it's the one backed by the most evidence but there are other evidence-based approaches as well yeah in my course we did cognitive behavioral therapy cbt mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. and then kind of use that as a building block to learn other therapeutic techniques so you know i did cbt and then we did act so acceptance and commitment therapy and then through placements i learned things like dialectical behavior therapy and mm-hmm. versions of um, cbt for eating disorders and you know various other things down the track, but yeah. you know, I through my training, I actually haven't been trained in psychodynamic stuff at all, aside from no. learning like a very broad strokes level what um, it is. Um, yeah. And I know there are many others in a similar position to me. In my experience, which is admit- admittedly limited as an early career psychologist, 
therapy works best when it involves some teaching of emotion regulation skills that the client can take with them in order to deal with future experiences, in addition to having that space to talk about their experiences and their feelings as well. Yeah, I'd completely agree with that. Like at its core, that's really what we're doing. I just also add sort of an educational component to that too. So psychoeducation, which is you know, mm-hmm. literally like education about yeah. psychology and thoughts and feelings and how things work together mm-hmm. um, is a really important part of therapy too. So our yeah. role often involves, um, it's often quite active. So like teaching yeah. people things and getting people to do homework yeah. and to try things outside of sessions and mm-hmm. um, report back to us about how things went and yeah, to educate as well as mm-hmm. to explore. Yeah. Both are very valid, but yeah, a lot of modern techniques have much more of an emphasis on the teaching of skills and emotion regulation and mm. um, actually sort of getting people to ultimately be their own therapists in a way. Yeah, absolutely. What would we like to see differently from this trip? What I'd like to see is less Freudian stuff in general in mm. fiction media. So it's it's just really uncommon to only have this approach in in real life so love to see more portrayals of specific and modern therapy types and to actually have these named in books Mm. so you know I don't expect writers to go off and become psychologists or anything (laughs) but like it's very easy to just sort of look up something like CBT and to go okay what are some of the main things Mm. a therapist might do in one of these sessions so you know a, a first session might involve a detailed assessment a shared understanding of goals, discussion around things like confidentiality and boundaries, Mm. background and understanding what the client's trying to get out of therapy. Um, Down the track, it might involve psychoeducation and then specific techniques, as well as things like talking about uh, cognitive biases or like different thought patterns that tend to happen. There's a million and one different therapy (laughs) techniques that can be used, but yeah, it's definitely not just um, talking about feelings as important as that is. Yeah. And yes, we do have couches, but we don't sit <laughs> behind them writing in silence. <laughs> no, I never have. You know, 99% of the time my clients choose to sit on the couch, not lie on the couch yep. as well. Yeah. The only time anyone's ever li- laid down on the, my couch it, are when they are children rolling around. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello everybody, I'm Megan. And I'm Samantha. With Literary Luscious. And we want to tell you about our podcast. Join us every other week as we dive into a sci-fi or fantasy novel where we also drink cocktails inspired by the novel. We post YouTube videos of us making the cocktails. And a lot of the times we even have the authors on including Dennis E. Taylor, Marissa Myers, and even Angela Roquet. So join us because you don't want to miss the podcast that's been described as not taking ourselves too seriously. And with that we say, stay lively with your libations. Okay, and now we've come to the final bed therapy trope. Our least favorite. Yes. Uh, it is the therapist-client affairs. Ugh. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. We hate this trope. Yes. Let's just get it out in the open. Yes. Oh my God. Um, okay. Um, this trope involves therapists having romantic or sexual relationships with their clients. This may be initiated by either the therapist or the client. Equally bad. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I don't know if equally bad. I'd say if it's initiated by the therapist, it's probably worse. That, but it's, it's bad either way. Yes, that's that's yes, true. But like, if it's initiated by the client, the therapist should stop it. <laughs> Do not engage. Agreed, hundred percent agreed. <laughs> oh, that's it at its core. There are lots of examples of this, oh, yes. so we'll go through some of them. <laughs> Um, so first of all, I wanted to mention the HBO show In Treatment mm. again. In this series, the client reveals her feelings towards the therapist, who's the main character in episode one. Mm. And look, he initially tries to discourage her and talks about it in supervision um, and talks about things like countertransference and all this stuff that is legitimate. But uh, and that's, you know, that's what you would do if a client mm. revealed that to you. But then he ends up reciprocating her feelings uh, and they decide to give it a shot and I was so mad when that happened. You, the TV show? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't the, isn't there, what's his name? A really handsome therapist in it who worked with the girlfriend and Penn Batchley was like, yeah. you must be cheating on me or something like that. And they were sleeping with yeah. each other and I was like, why? I was also mad. Yeah. Very mad about that. In the movie Trance, which is a Danny Boyle film, if you haven't seen that one, um, with James McAvoy. So in that story, it's a hypnotherapist um, who has an affair with her client, but you know, same issue. Mm. Uh, How I Met Your Mother, which we mentioned oh. earlier. So yeah. um, Kevin was Robin's therapist before they got together. And like at least he showed some hesitation about getting together with her, but he it still happened and oh. they got engaged and everything. And yeah. finally, uh, or oh, Finally, for our list, yeah. not every, every example, Lisa Kudrow's character in the film Easy A um, is a school counsellor who sleeps with a senior and tries to argue it's okay yeah. because he's 22 yeah. and repeated his senior year multiple times. Oh, God. At least she gets in trouble for that okay. by the end of the, yeah. the film, but still, ugh, not good. I... <laughs> okay, so... This trope probably constitutes a whole subgenre in romance and romance books. I haven't read any personally, but I went Googling for therapist client romances. A few threats on Reddit showed up. Um, there's something called The Shrink by Sophia Carlson. It's about a male psychiatrist, I think, I believe, and a female client. And I think they ended up falling in love. There's a whole list. I, I can't go into them because I haven't read them myself. But yeah, I, th I feel like I'm, I'm too angry about this trope to try and read anything. <laughs> Just don't think it's sexy or romantic in any way. Yeah. Anyway, we should probably talk more about why this is actually a problem and why we have such a visceral <sighs> reaction yeah. to this issue. I mean, you know, it, it does happen in real life, but it doesn't make it... Okay, this is actually no. a huge, huge no-no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so essentially there, there's a big power differential between a therapist and a client. So it's pretty much impossible to have a normal relationship mm. with somebody once 
if, if you know all of their secrets and all of their deepest desires and background and they know nothing about you yeah. and you've also been paying them for that service, which is meant to be a professional relationship, yeah. you know, a person has gone to someone else specifically for help and you're seen as an expert in the area of emotions and that person can be really vulnerable. Yeah, absolutely. It's just wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I'm trying to like be be reasonable and logical about this, but it's just like I just have that visceral reaction about this as well. Um, in Australia, we have the Australian Psychological Society ethical guidelines, including specific guidelines about relationships with clients. Hmm. Is there is supposedly a cooling off period allowed? Yeah. So yeah. I just I double checked this because the APS actually has um, a specific guideline called guidelines on mm. the prohibition of sexual relationships okay. with clients, and it is very very clear about mm. how damaging they can be. Yeah. They're basically banned. Yeah. <laughs> like you can't yeah. you can't do them without getting yeah. in trouble. There is a, a sort of cooling off period mm. here. So. Um, psychologists are like quote unquote allowed to have sexual activity with a yeah. former client um, mm-hmm. who's had the professional relationship terminated okay. after a period of two years from the termination. If you like first explore with a senior psychologist, the possibility that the client might be vulnerable and at risk of exploitation and encourage that former client to seek independent counseling on the matter. So mm-hmm. basically there's all this stuff in place that tries to discourage this from happening. Um, and that two year period I understand is basically to sort of go like, you know, not a lot of people are going to wait that yeah. long to yeah. have a relationship with somebody. So it's really meant to sort of um, put people off doing this even after that time period. Yeah. So yeah, that and that's all designed to protect the client because mm. yeah this usually ends really badly <laughs> so yeah the, the clients in this situation are frequently adversely affected by the experience which is why it's banned um you mm. know it's a it's a breach of trust um people are vulnerable to exploitation yeah <sighs> bad things can happen and yeah we if if psychologists do this we can get in a lot of trouble as well including but not limited to losing our registration to practice it often snowballs from mm. you know maybe a romantic relationship to other sort of exploitation i think inherently as a therapist you're given a lot of trust and you you really should not abuse that Absolutely not. Mm. So we have a responsibility to not pursue any mm. of these advent, um, any of these feelings if the client is projecting them onto us. Yeah, and we also have a responsibility not to pursue our own feelings if we're feeling them. Yeah, I mean, just thinking of that romance novel summary, like, do not take someone on as a client if you think they're hot. That's that cannot go well. Look, I mean, therapists may sometimes be attracted to clients legitimately, mm. and vice versa. Yeah. Um, and that that attraction might be there from the start, or it mm. might develop yeah. too. And it's it's unrealistic, I suppose, to expect therapists to like never think a client is attractive because, yeah. again, like yeah, human and humans typically mm, experience yeah. attraction to other people. <laughs> yeah. But if you don't think that you can be professional or if you start yeah. to notice yourself being unprofessional or starting to be tempted, then that's the point where you really need to stop uh, yeah. to, to seek supervision and to put boundaries in place and so on. We also, 
you know, we don't want people to think that therapists are predatory. Yeah. We don't want people to think that this is normal, that their therapists are going to be hitting on them. It's just a bad, bad idea and makes us look really bad. Like, again, Mm. I know this does happen, but it is a real minority of therapists. Mm. That yeah. will engage in this because it's so drilled into us about how it's a bad idea. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, all right. What would we like to see change about this trope? Well, I would personally be happy to never see this trope yeah. again. <laughs> Same. Toss it out the window, please. Yeah. Therapist, do you meet other people like in, in normal situations? We date people who are not our clients. It is possible. <laughs> it is more, much more likely than us actually pursuing anything with a client. Exactly. Uh, look, if you are going to use this trope in some capacity, I'd really like to see, first of all, therapists shutting it down, <laughs> setting yeah. boundaries if a client is starting to hit on them or um, proposition them mm. in any way. Yeah. And show therapists getting in trouble if they do Mm. pursue romantic or sexual relationships with their clients show the consequences of it if you are going to have this in in your story in some way Mm -hmm. and just show it as completely unprofessional as well it's sort of Mm. creepy of the therapist as well maybe just don't use this trope please yeah (laughs) Um, if you again if you want to write a romance including a therapist just do it in a different way (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes please don't have it be between the therapist and the clients you will make us very very upset yes that's right <laughs> and then we might cover your book in a future review episode <laughs> we probably shouldn't threaten people with our, with our trope episodes should we <laughs> probably shouldn't threaten people in general no but you know how we feel about this <laughs> <laughs> make us very grumpy yes <laughs> all right well on that scary note (laughs) that wraps up our discussion so now we will quickly mention what's going up on our blog post on our website to link in with the episode all right so on our website some of the resources we will link to include the ethical guidelines that we follow in australia the general code is available for public review um and you know like again this is the australian code so it might not be a hundred percent what you see in other countries or for other professions but Mm -hmm. this is what we practice under there are a range of other specific guidelines Mm -hmm. which are not present in um that sort of expand on things in the code of ethics so they might not be as easily accessible but they do exist too yeah um we will also include some information about the types of therapy that are commonly practiced these days i found a quite comprehensive list of all sorts of uh, therapy modalities and yeah so i'll include that as well awesome um we'll also include the links to the specific tropes we've mentioned from tvtropes.com yeah that wraps us up for novel tropes episode three please remember to subscribe and follow us to keep up to date with us and to know when our new episodes are posted Next episode should go up in June. June. Yes. Yeah. So that should be our first review episode for season two. So how exciting is that? Yeah, (laughs) very exciting. So definitely keep your eyes on our podcast page, I guess. 
Keep your ears on Spotify. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Season two will be launching mid-year in June if all goes according to plan. And our current plan is to have fortnightly episodes. Um, mm-hmm. And we have nine episodes planned. Oh, so yeah. uh, I say planned because it's still possible things might go awry between now and when this yeah. <laughs> actually goes up in the air. But I can edit this out if I need to. Um <laughs> Look, uh, current plan, nine fortnightly episodes. We're going to be covering a range of different books, Mm. genres, and mental health issues as per season one. We're also welcoming a variety of guests to the show, which is very exciting too. Very exciting. We now have friends of the show. (laughs) (laughs) We could have just left it as we now have friends. (laughs) Yes, we could say that, (laughs) yes. Many friends of the show will be joining us. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you liked this trope mini-series, please let us know because we'd love to do some more in the future if there's appetite for them. Mm, You know we can vent some more about bad therapy tropes. (laughs) Many more bad therapy tropes to be had, but also general tropes too. That's right. For an episode summary and all of the resources we mentioned in this episode, check out our website, novelfeelings.com. We also post information about getting support for you or somebody that you care about. If you like us, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to ask us a question or to chat, you can send us a message via our website or social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter and Goodreads at novel underscore feelings. You can also find me on Bookstagram at Pave with Books with an extra S. Thank you so much for tuning in to Novel Tropes Episode 3 and hopefully we can catch you in our review episodes coming up soon. Yeah, catch you next time. See ya. Bye.